I'm not pulling out of the driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work coronavirus edition. So uh, I've been using my time at home to interview people from Magic's past and present. Today is Magic's present. So I have Adam Prozac, and we're going to talk about the original Modern Horizons. Hey, Adam. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Okay, so I have told my part of the story. So the, the, the audience has heard sort of <clears throat> how it came to be, and Ethan and me pitching it, and the hackathon, and all that stuff. But I wanted to sort of pick up the story, because you, uh, you led the, the set design. I did. So I want to talk about, okay, so the design, the vision design team, we made something and we handed it to you. So let, let's start the story there. Yeah, Modern Horizons is, was a wild, wild uh, journey for me. Because one, it was my first time as a set lead with new cards in it. So previous to Modern Horizons, um, I had led stuff like uh, Master's Product and I had been a, you know, a primary contributor to our like standard playtesting process, our FFL process, um, but this was my you know kind of my first uh, first excursion into uh, designing new cards as a set lead, and boy it threw me into the deep end because Modern Horizons had so much uh, new problems we had to tackle. Yes, um, very much so. <laughs> so, so there are two major problems that like. I just kind of identified as the outside and like, how, you know, how are we going to do this? Mm -hmm. One of them, the first one was uh, pretty easier, but still worth recognizing was like, oh, we wanted this to be at a time spiral level of complexity. Mm -hmm. So it's like kind of uh, shifting kind of like our philosophies on how we design cards a little bit to a, to a previous era that I wasn't a designer for. Like I, you know, I've been at Wizards about eight years and Time Spiral is from, what, 2007? So Time Spiral is, you know, significantly before my time. And so my sensibilities are very different from, you know, kind of Time Spiral era sensibilities. Yep. And we wanted to recapture some of that. So designing to the newer complexity, finding, a, you know, lots of ways to use, like, uh, keywords and mechanics and all that stuff. That was very, uh, very challenging for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was relatively easy compared to the other major task that we had to tackle, which was how do we make cards for modern? Um, and we had tons of tons of debates and it was ve very challenging. I'm super happy with where we ended up and trying to find these like uh, narrow applications for cards or new strategies for cards that like, oh, we wouldn't do this in a standard set, but here is the right place to do these types of types of designs. Um, and yes, some of them tied into each other. Uh, like some of them is like, oh, this is a little bit more complex than we would want for Sanset, but like we think, you know, modern players will love this, you know, this style of card. Yeah, I mean, one of the things for the audience to understand is We've been making standard sets, for, you know, forever. I mean, we, we, you know, standard sets are what we understand. And this was the first time we, like, in the past, it had either been it's for standard or it's for everything, right? There was, like, it was, it's for eternal formats or it's for standard formats. But it's never really been in the middle. And this was a very new idea at the time. Um, in fact, when we started the design, it wasn't for modern. And by the time we were done, it was for modern. So it... 
happened kind of mid-design. I actually remember the conversation where we kind of like the light bulb went off. It's like, oh, how do you know? How do we make this product different? It's like, well, what if it's modern legal? <laughs> and like, I could see like the, you know, I could see like Bill Rose kind of like light up. <laughs> uh, and B- Bill Rose is our uh, one of our vice presidents who kind of drives a lot of these like uh, product decision type of stuff. But so yeah. I Once how- we got to the modern, it was like, yeah, okay, this is going to be wild. It's very challenging. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about some... Th- there's some changes that happened to the set during set design. So I want to talk about a few of the bigger changes. Um, mm-hmm. the, out of the audience is even aware of this or not, but we're going to talk about it. So one of the biggest changes is... Okay, I, I remember pieces of this. Two of us, maybe we can remember it all. Um, originally, there were, like, some dual ends in this, like, brand new dual ends that were, like... Questionable whether modern was supposed to have these dual lands, but they there are these dual lands that were going to be in the set, and then at some point I'm not sure who you know FFL so somebody decided no we can't we just can't make these dual lands, and then it's like okay something has to fill the void of these dual lands. Uh, do, you, do you remember the, this part of the story? Yeah. <laughs> um, without going into too many details, because I uh, we had a big uh, we have this uh, you know kind of studio-wide meeting like all the designers came to me we call it card crafting and basically enough people were like very skeptical of these and like we had a card crafting i wasn't sure how it was gonna go i was like do people like these or not and then the the room was unanimous no we don't like these um for for modern they shouldn't be in modern right um or yeah just let's not do these in the set and then um is that like okay? You know what kind of other things can we do to to fill this uh, void? Um, and then that's kind of the genesis of when we started putting like, oh, what kind of stuff would we could we do here, but not in you know our standard set? We we're like, okay, what about snow? Well, that's when snow came into the set. Here, here's where the origin. This is my memory of the origin. Tell me if, if if you're wrong. I think what happened was we said we can't use these dual lands. What dual lands could we use? And somebody said, how about snow dual lands? And they're like, well, we can't just have snow. Du- like, we can't have no snow in the set and just have snow dual lands. That's what I remember, the, the, the pattern of it happening. It's like, yeah. let's have snow dual lands. But wait, wait, what does that mean? Well, we have to, okay, snow has to be in the set if, if we have snow dual lands. And there didn't, ended up not being snow dual lands. Um, didn't find, like, a design. And- one of the reasons that they're not is like, oh, the other dual land cycle that we really liked was the uh, the Horizon Canopy yeah. uh, cycle. Um, we thought doing those would be super cool. Um, but Super it, happy with how they turned out. But it, it kind of, yeah, it kind of did come from the, like, what, you know, what do we replace these dual lands with? And somebody said snow dual lands, and I kind of took that from, like, oh, but I, I like these other dual lands, but I also like snow. Right. Well, here's what happens a lot that people don't I mean, might not realize is you're sort of trying to solve things, and so you do something, and that's something that makes you change to something else. But then the impetus for the change goes away. So like it's sometimes it's, it's it, it seems like oh we just out of nowhere came up with this, but really it was a there's a sequence of events that happen. And... Exactly. Lots of different things can trigger different different ideas, and it's really funny. Like um, I'm like oh I like snow and modern horizons. We wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't go back to it in a, in a standard set. And like, really shortly after the design of Modern Horizons ended, Kaldheim came up. It was like, 
And the set lead for that, Dave Humphreys, asked me, he's like, hey, did you like Snow and Modern Horizons? I'm like, yeah, it's it pretty good. I, I, I'm happy with how it turned out. And it was like, and then that was the genesis for putting Snow stuff in Kaldheim. Right. Which we is actually... wild to me because when I did it, I had no idea that we would ever consider it for standard set. But it turned out to do, you know, cool things in, in both uh, both sets. Yeah, we actually left it out in design on purpose because the previous time we'd used snow, it hadn't gone over. In fact, I, the two previous times we used snow, <laughs> it hadn't gone over very well. So we're like, yeah, it makes sense to have snow, but snow wasn't that popular. And then, right, Modern Horizons ended up doing, and then it, everyone liked how it was working Modern Horizons. So we're like, okay, let, let's add it to call time. So. Right. It's a, yeah, just another thing of like, oh, you know, an idea one place leads to another idea in another place. Um, so what, what were the challenges of snow? Just because, uh, we haven't done, we hadn't done snow in quite a while. Obviously way before your time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the challenges of snow are like, are there exciting cards to make with snow? What is an exciting card to make with, we had no frame of reference, like probably the most, uh, exciting snow card prior to, uh, Modern Horizons is, uh, scrying sheets. Yeah. And it's just like this thing that gets you, but extra basic land every once in a while wasn't you know not that cool but what what is a exciting card that like um makes you like care about your basic lands because that's a lot of what um what your your snow base will look like yeah um and so we made made a few cards it was like oh if you have enough like we kind of treated them like if you have these basic lands mm -hmm. if you have enough basic lands this gets bonus abilities um so that's like one of the reasons uh my favorite snow design is on thin ice mm -hmm. uh it's a you know a white enchantment that can kind of like change to the rocks in, in theros but it, it can uh it's a white removal spell that uh kind of attaches itself yeah, to let, one let, of let me just read to the audience because the audience might not know on thin ice so on thin ice costs one white it's a snow enchantment aura enchant snow land you control when on thin ice enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls until on thin ice leaves the battlefield. Yeah, so that's that's my uh, favorite snow design. There are a couple uh, more powerful ones, um, like the Ice Fang Coatl, uh, and we even banned a card that is snow related, uh, Arkham's Astrolabe, because um, it ended up being too efficient as just a a fixer and a. A cantrip. So, uh, real quickly, Arkham's Afterlabe costs a snow mana. It's a snow artifact. When Arkham's Afterlabe enters the battlefield, draw a card, one in tap, add one mana of any color. I have a really funny story about that. So, um, pretty pretty late in the set, uh, Aaron Forsyth, one, another one of our VPs, and uh, who's actually the lead of Modern Horizons 2, is looking through the file and had an idea. Is like, what if we make a card that costs snow mana? And he pitched um, Icehide Golem, which is just a snow mana for 2-2 vanilla creature, artifact creature. I'm like, okay, I have this card I don't like. I'll, I'll replace it. That Your card sounds cool. But then also, what if I change Arkham's Astrolabe to cost a snow mana? It used to have a bunch of text about you having enough snow permanence and stuff like that. Um, it was like, oh, what if it just costs a snow mana? That's a, that's a lot cleaner. And I kind of like that as a direction. And turned out, you know, in hindsight, to be not the right call. Um, but it's funny. Yeah, it's like one of those things where like, oh, a different snow mana card incentivized me to change this snow mana, you know, Arkham's Astrolabe to a snow mana design. 
Yeah, one of the hardest things, just for the audience, one of the hardest things to, to mana symbols when it's a new mana symbol, like when, when it represents a cost we're not used to, it, it's really hard to gauge costs. Like one of the reasons we got so good at costing is, okay, we've made a lot of cards that use you know, red mana or green mana or whatever. Like it's a lot easier for us to understand. But as soon as it's like, here's a new thing we've never done before, that it's it's really really hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah, I I remember um, working on Oath of the Gatewatch and colorless mana. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was challenging. Um, and again, you know, Frexian mana is super super challenging too. Yeah, the other um, thing, the interesting thing about snow is um, one of the things that happens, and snow is a good example, I guess. Um, Chroma might be another example where we do something and we just didn't do it well. We're like, yeah. like I, if you ever look at Ice Age, there's just the snow cards are kind of sucky. It, it, it's it's not that they couldn't have been better. It's just sort of like, right? It, they, it was more negative than positive. Like you got punished more for having them than using them. Uh, and part of sort of uh, taking a mechanic and sort of like, I don't know, repurposing it or whatever is like, what is the cool thing about this, and how do we use it in a way that really will make it exciting? You know, and it. It's weird when we stumble on something and the audience doesn't like it and go, well, maybe there's something really there. Although this was the opposite case where the public was saying, we want more snow. I'm like, really? You didn't like it last time we did it. But like, no, no, we want more snow. Yeah, it's we want you to do it correctly type of, <laughs> type of thing. And yet we've gotten, you know, we have 20 years of experience on the designers of Ice Age or whatever. And so we've learned a <laughs> thing or two, uh, you know, as a group. So... So what else? Okay, other than snow, what else? What else were you proud of of, of in Modern Horizons design? Um, so I liked how a lot of the um, I really really appreciate how the limited um, came together. A lot of this was taking the stuff from Vision Design. Here are cool ideas, and then kind of interweaving them so that. Um, they're both unique to themselves and synergize with um, with other things. Um, you know, my my favorite example is the use of changeling mm -hmm. to and even changeling tribal. That was a that was a big thing. Like black and white have some cards that are like, oh, you know, this is good if you have a changeling on the battlefield uh, type thing. Um, but using those to bridge kind of uh, different archetypes that might not necessarily um work well together otherwise yeah one of the things so real quickly the the origin of changeling in, in the set because that happened in design was mm -hmm. we had a list we said oh this is the set where we can make a lot more cards that people have been asking for forever like one of the problems like we, we keep a long list of hey the audience keeps asking for these things we should make them one day and a lot of them they're hard to get into sets a lot of them are like oh well like the stars have to align for us to be able to do that and this was a set where, like, okay, we weren't beholden to a world. Like, we really had a lot more freedom. And, and the complexity was higher. We just had a lot more freedom. And so we kept making these tribal cards. But we're like, well, hi, like, we really should have a bear or whatever. Ran random things we should have. And then we, we came to the conclusion of, oh, well, if we make Changeling a thing, then that can let us make all these individual cards, but then it can help pull it together. Uh, and then I think in set design... Like, you guys, the, the ninjas and the slivers, I, I think that might have been there a little bit, but you guys really pulled it up in set design. So we, um, 
So a couple things with the tribal nature of the set. One, everything you said is true, and I'll, I'll even add, like, a lot of our constructed goals, a lot of our modern goals, it's like, oh, we can give a card to a tribal deck. So we made a vampire, a zombie, that, you know, might consider playing and try and help elevate those modern strategies that probably aren't strong enough. Um, like, and then we also took some shots where, like, with goblins... We're like, goblins needs a lot of stuff, so we'll give them three or four things. And then we kind of worked all that stuff together. So we took a lot of the ideas from vision design. Is like, here, here are the different tribes. Is like, how much can form the backbone of a limited archetype? How much is a one-off? And how do we m merge all of these together into, like, a cohesive environment? And, like, yeah, so super happy with, uh, with how Changeling ended up being really really important for accomplishing the you know the different tribal goals because like tribal is one of the things like basically everybody latched onto as a um as a thing that we could do in the set like um for all sorts of different reasons both you know constructive callback reasons you know times for nostalgia all that stuff um so let, let's talk i want to talk slivers and ninjas oh okay. my um so I, the reason I know we were interested in slivers in design was one of the problem with slivers is when you put them in a, in a premiere set is there's just only so many abilities to give to them and most of them we've done before, right? It's, it's really hard to make new slivers because all the evergreen abilities we've done multiple times on slivers. But in Modern Horizons where you could, you could give them any ability, we, we, we just, we had a lot of fun saying, okay, what, what can slivers have? Like, could they have Cascade? Could they, you know, what, what crazy things can you give slivers? And that really a lot. So I think when we turned it over, we had made a bunch of slivers just cause we can make some fun slivers. Um, and then you guys sort of made it into an archetype, right? Yeah. So we, they're focused in red and white mostly. Um, but we did think it was important and cool if there were, I'll call them off-color slivers. So like uh, there was a blue sliver and a black sliver and a green sliver and a five-color sliver. So you could get a, capture some of that, um, I guess, Tempest Air original. Yeah. All the slivers are haphazardly distributed among the colors. Mm -hmm. um, thought that was pretty cool. And also we... I was so enamored with uh, all your slivers have cascade. Yeah. <laughs> I just knew I, that had to be the five color sliver. Yep. Um, uh, but yeah, <laughs> slivers are really funny. It is like uh, slivers, I think I might be wrong here, but I believe they were responsible for 100% of the creative vetoes. Oh, were they? <laughs> <laughs> so some some abilities are super flavored to one thing. Yeah. I just can't. I, I think there was a Bushido sliver that got vetoed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just like makes no sense creatively. So yeah, we, like, that makes sense. We had a meeting. Well, we had a meeting in design where literally we're just like, okay, look at all the mechanics we've ever had in magic. What can we put on the sliver? And that, that, that we kept trying to one up each other. Like, how about this? And I think Cascade was, like, our topper. Like, how do you beat right, Cascade? That's why it's the five color. So, yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. So, I don't know how much um, people know this, but, like, so Modern Horizons 1 actually couldn't use any mechanic from Magic's history. Right, right. It There's a limit. The, we had a limit, yeah. It only used the ones from modern sets. Right. Right, so it did it. there's not a ton of mechanics. And not just that. Me. We had a cutoff. We weren't allowed to go past right. Dragons of Tarkir, I think. 
Yeah, there was a certain set because we wanted to save... Right, for um, future, yeah. Right, so I had a... The whole time during design, I had a notepad with every single eligible mechanic. Yeah. And I just, like, kind of stared at that, like, uh, every couple weeks or so. Yeah. Or anytime I was having a hard time with a certain card, I'm like, how many... <laughs> I spent so much time trying to look at, like, the thing and try and, like, piece one mechanic with another mechanic because that was also a goal yeah. is to find cards where you have like two disparate mechanics that would never show up right mix and match on, is what we, we call yeah it. <laughs> right so like the um cascade plus retrace card throws of chaos yeah is a really good example it has no text other than the two <laughs> mechanics okay so let's talk ninjas yeah um so my memory is we we gave you a smattering of ninjas it was not a theme remote it was just we had some fun. In fact, I think the Frog Ninja, which showed up in Modern Horizons 2, was for some period of time in Modern Horizons 1. It was, it so, was. Um, so, so that's it's funny. Like, a lot of Modern Horizons 2 cards are modern, were originally in Modern <laughs> Horizons 1. Like, Ethan was the uh, vision design lead for both sets, Ethan right. Fleischer. And he was just like, I like this card. It didn't work out for one reason or another. Not because it's not a cool card. Yeah. Well, because the environment didn't necessarily right. support it. And so a lot of times, yeah, a lot of Modern Horizons 2 cards are actually back. Um, but to ninjas, so I actually really like ninjutsu. Um, so we talked about, um, you know, snow, there's not enough cool snow cards. Mm-hmm. Well, with ninjas, the nin- nin- cards with ninjutsu are really cool. There's just not enough of them. I think there were like 10 of them in Magic before Modern Horizons 1. Yeah, there's so not a lot of ninjas. Really, really small number. It it showed up in one small set, Betrayers yeah. of Kamigawa, and like a couple, maybe a commander product or two, uh, like a one-off here. But yeah. there's so few of them, and I think, like, I just thought it was cool enough, like, oh, this, it's mechanically cohesive. Um, do, do you want to know why, real quickly, just for the audience? Yeah, yeah go for it. Why, why were there just, why there's so few ninjas? So, we originally had ninjas in Champions of Kamigawa, but we were trying to figure out how to make Betrayers exciting. And we're like, well, we, we got to hold something back so like we can, we can go all out in the set. And we're like, how about ninjas? Why don't we, like, no ninjas and champions, and then Betrayers will be all ninjas. That was the idea. And then somehow it got, like, down to, like, ten ninjas. Like, originally, yeah. like, you know, just ninjas everywhere. And then it got down to, like, ten ninjas. But that, that was why we held back. And then for some reason, we didn't put them in saviors. Like, Betrayers was the ninja set, so we, they couldn't go into save. Anyway, some mistakes were made. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think... I think ninjas are both, like, uh, popular, really cool, um, really cohesive. Like, one of the things I really liked about ninjas is there's not a ton of your ninjas gain whatever. Mm-hmm. No, a lot of their uh, identity is through, like, when I deal combat damage um, or, you know, when I en- one enters the battlefield. Um, mm-hmm. Through the ninjas, you get to, re- you know, reuse your enters the battlefield abilities. I thought it ended up being pretty uh, a pretty cool way to do a blue-black uh, color pay theme. Because a lot of yeah. times, we'll do the, like, whenever you... Uh, <clears throat> in lingo, we call it, like, saboteur triggers, whenever you deal combat damage to an opponent. Mm-hmm. And we'll do that without ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just so much cooler with, you know, I think ninjas is an awesome way to do it. So I'm really happy with them. Uh, my goal is to make a, you know... Just more more ninjas to, you know, like... Ninja of the Deep Hours is really cool. Inkai's mm-hmm. is really cool. Those are really cool ninjas from 
Kamigawa. If only we could make a set with more ninjas. If only that thing could happen. <laughs> right. That's basically... But I think, and I think we did. Uh, I was pretty happy with Turned Out. It ended up being one of the stronger um, uh, limited strategies. So what other archetypes... What, what was your favorite archetype or of the ones we haven't talked about yet? Um... So I really liked um, the idea of um, the draw two theme in blue and red. Okay, how'd that come um, about? So it's interesting. Like, don't want to just do like regular spells matter. I was actually looking. It's another thing like snow, where it's like, oh, like what can what can we do that we haven't done before? And as soon as Modern Horizons does it, like uh, Eldraine. <laughs> Uh, picked it up and that that was even kind of in design concurrently Mm -hmm. um so i i liked that i also really liked um we we talked about snow but i really liked snow um historically blue and green is the toughest color combination to get right blue and green just don't have a lot of overlap as colors relative to other color combinations the the running Um, joke just for the audience in r&d is like blue green is what's the set about that's what blue green is Sometimes, sometimes it's not, you know, it, like it's some nebulous term like right. tempo or ramp or, you yeah. know, something like that. It's ramp tempo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, blue and green, because it has access to the least removal, often mm-hmm. struggles just as a color pair. Yeah. Um, and so you want to you wanna amplify it so that people do draft cards of every color combination together and blue and green often needs the most work. Um, but yeah, snow was a really cool way to do it. Um, bleeding it into all the five colors. So like, oh, it, there's enough fixing so that you'll take the other color, uh, snow lands as well. Mm-hmm. Cause it, you can't just do snow covered island and snow covered forest and call it a day. Right. You got to do snow covered swamp as well. Man, um, and green fetches land, which works out nice. Right. It, yeah. And it being sent. So that's one of the reasons we centered it in green. Mm hmm. Um, is like, oh, if it's green, it can you can have access to the, you know, the five color things, um, and access to different um, different colors. And I thought that worked out really well. That was, that was really cool. So any, I mean, I I can see my desk here. So we uh, we only have a little bit more time. Um, any other thoughts of like about Modern Horizons? Any other things you were proud of from Modern Horizons? Yeah. Uh, so. One thing I did w- want to talk about is like how much how challenging the um, the constructed work was because we didn't have um, we didn't really have a team dedicated to playtesting modern so we had to make one mm-hmm. um, so you know a lot of people um, you know came together a short amount of time and and joined a testing team and like we kind of knew like we're gonna take some risks like we ended up having to ban a, a handful of cards. Um, but that was kind of to be expected to make like the set because like it was really really challenging to know what types of cards would make straight to modern cards like make modern more fun and uh overall i'm, I'm super happy with a ton of designs like i thought a you know a two mana planeswalker was risky but it ended up it ended up being uh, really good for modern mm-hmm. maybe not for legacy but uh <laughs> ren and six uh, I thought it was a really cool design. I really, really liked all the work we put into uh, Urza mm-hmm. and Yogmoth. Those are super iconic characters, and wanted to make them, you know, very splashy and very appealing, very powerful. And mm-hmm. I think the team did a great job on both of those cards. So, 
really, really happy overall with uh, Modern Horizons 1. Obviously, like, uh, not everything went perfectly, and a lot of stuff was really hard and challenging, but... Um, yeah, I, I, just, I just want to point out that one of the things about playtesting is um, the more cards you have in the format, the harder it becomes. Because um, the combinatorix, like when you are playing standard and you have, I don't know how many cards are in standard, but, you know, uh, under 2,000, um, you know, like there's only so many combinations. There's a limited number of combinations. But now when you say, okay, I have 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000, like, you know, just it becomes so hard to even be aware of all the possibilities, you know, and what, what, one of the cool things about modern is there's so many possibilities, but from a playtesting standpoint, that makes things really hard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you want to, so, I mean, one of the things we do in, uh, you know, play designer, you know, uh, constructive playtesting is allowing for possibilities but not trying to capture every single one. Like if we can solve an environment on our own, that means it's too easy. The, that that doesn't leave a lot for uh, you all the you know the players to to figure things out. So we try to make cards that are um, fun and exciting, but like somehow don't break things. Um, and part of the process is like yeah, you you sometimes sometimes things get broken to make exciting cards. Yeah. And like, you know, one of the things our you know our playtesting process missed was uh, was Hogak, which is very clearly just a power ally and had to ban very quickly. But a lot of the other cards are cards that we very intentionally thought like, oh, this would be a, a really uh, interesting piece for modern, and I think we uh, succeeded on that part. Yeah, in general, just so the audience was aware, we when we made the set, like it was, we were trying something new. It was a supplemental set we've never done it before. And even before we got it out the door, we were really, really excited by it. Um, and then the, when, once the audience got a hold of it, they loved it, you know. And that, like, one of the things that's really interesting is when, we, when Time Spiral was the premiere set, we had a lot of problems because it's not for everybody. But mm-hmm. as a supplemental set where, well, for those people that like it, that's for them, it really, like, there's an audience that enjoys that and it's fun to be able to make these sets. Like, I love, like... The the co- the code name in the uh, the hackathon for the set was decadent because <laughs> just when you're designing you it's so decadent you just, you can you know I mean we had limits but there's so many things you can do that you just normally can't do um, and it is it's a fun thing to design for but yeah you're right I mean it, it, there's infinite challenges in some ways the more you can do the more challenges there are making sure you're not doing the wrong thing right yeah exactly and I will say. Um over its lifespan, like, into the design process, I never, like, I've never experienced, like, more hype built internally about a set uh, during my time with it. Because it's kind of sort of like, oh, here's this, like, fun thing. It's for, you know, a small audience. Um, well, it's, it's for magic lovers. And, and, you know, the Venn diagram right. of magic R&D and magic lovers is really high, so... Yeah. <laughs> right, might even be a perfect circle. Uh. Um... But yeah, just like because we were all just so individually into like the target audience for this. Yeah. It kind of got uh, elevated and just built more hype and more, you know, cool things. And it was just like, oh, like, let's add these art cards to it. That's a really cool new idea. You know, all that sort of thing. And like uh, just 
general like positivity built over time was really cool to see. Yeah, it definitely was a product that I mean, this is true of many products, but just the the love of the people making it was so apparent. The people had had such fun with it. It really was a I mean, not that making magic isn't fun. It is very fun. But uh, this was a, a little more a little more fun than the average set just because you, you sort of got to just do things you don't normally get to do. Yeah, it was both more fun and more stressful. Well, I mean, well, you're, you're, on the, you're on that. See, I, I'm on the beginning end where we come up with crazy <laughs> ideas. You're, you're on the end where you have to make sure they all work. That's much harder on you. Right. <laughs> big, big difference between uh, final design and initial design is the stress level. I mean, I, there's stress level initial design, but that's more about finding things and less about, right. you know, whenever we find a cool thing, like, oh, okay, people down there, they'll make sure it's not broken or anything, but, you know, but, like, my stress comes from, I can't find anything, there's nothing cool, you know, that's my stress mm -hmm. level. Um, yeah. I, I I don't really tend to worry, is it broken? I'm like, ah, other people figure that out. <laughs> yep, there's nobody after us to figure out if it's broken. The, the team after us is make sure the Cards actually work. Yeah, that's that's our you know that's the our design team's backstop. We have the, the you know the editing and rules behind us. So anyway, it was uh, now it was a fun set to make. It's a fun set to talk about. So I want to thank you for joining us on the show. Of course, thank you for having me. And guys, I can see my desk, so we all know what that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time. Bye bye.